the kids all ready. We're going to get their stage ready. And uh, you guys ready for a, a skit? Yeah. yeah, it's a good one here. We got a good group of kids. We got a bunch of them right back there too, don't we? You got kids back there? Oh, there they are. Is that all those hands I see up there? You guys going to do anything after this? You guys going to have any fun in class today? There you are. Okay. <laughs> well, we got a bunch of them too. Glory to God. Looks like they're ready now. As they all approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage. It was on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent out two disciples. He said to them, Go to the village ahead of you. As soon as you get there, you will find a donkey tied up. Her colt will be with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. The owner will send them right away. The disciples went and did what Jesus told them to do. They brought the donkey and the colt. They placed their coats on them. Then Jesus sat on the coats. A very large crowd spread their coats on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Some of the people went ahead of them and some followed. They all shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sad and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sad. I feel close to death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He went a little farther. Then he fell on his face to the ground. He prayed, my father, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering away from me, but let what you want be done, not what I want. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray. Then you won't fall into sin when you are tempted. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So he left them and went away once more. Then he returned to the disciples. He said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is about to be handed over to sinners. Get up! Let's go! Here comes the one who is handing me over to them. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas arrived. He was one of the twelve. A large crowd was with him. They were carrying swords and clubs. The chief priest and elders of the people had sent them. Judas, who was going to hand Jesus over, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, he said. Arrest him. So Judas went to Jesus at once. He said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came to do. 
Then the men stepped forward. They grabbed Jesus and arrested him. At that moment, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword. He pulled it out and struck the servant of the high priest with it. He cut off the servant's ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. All who use the sword will die by the sword. Then all of the disciples left him and ran away. They took Jesus to Pontius Pilate, where he was beaten, mocked, and spat upon. He was sentenced to death on a cross. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The Sabbath day was now over. It was dawn on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a powerful earthquake. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven. The angel went to the tomb. He rolled back the stone and sat on it. His body shone like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he was lying. Now go quickly. Tell the disciples he has risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, but they were filled with joy. They ran to tell the disciples. Then Jesus came to them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. You must go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. He left everything in heaven and came to earth. He died on the cross and went to hell to battle the devil. He defeated death, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. He washed us clean. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise God. Didn't you enjoy that? Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> they tell it in a unique way, don't they? It's, uh, 
That's excellent. I, I just don't get tired of that, do you? <laughs> I like every part. I like the trees. I like everything. <laughs> the rocks. The scooter donkey. Uh, <laughs> Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just lift up our hands and let's thank the Lord for our children. And then let's thank Him for what they're telling us this morning out of the mouths of babes. The great, great truth. Lord, we thank you for our precious, precious children. They are gifts straight from you. And they are so precious. And we thank you for the ability and your help in bringing them up in the nurturing, admonition of you, our Lord. And we worship you today, acknowledging that what they portrayed is true. That you did live, that you did die. But thank God you did raise again the third day. And you are alive right now at the right hand of majesty on high where you ever live to make intercession for us. And we give you all the glory in this place today. And we say we are excited about the future, about you coming to get us, and about us being joined together with you and our loved ones that have already gone on. Our future is very, very bright. And we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, you got time to, for me to preach at you some? For us to stir ourselves up in the Word, and then, like we said, we're going to receive communion. And the kids, are they're going to be having an egg hunt and some fun things outside, too. And same thing going on down at... Uh, Sarasota. And if you're watching by internet, well, go ahead and hide your egg or two in the house there. <laughs> Let your kids have some fun there, too. <laughs> don't, don't come short of the whole experience. Um, turn with me, if you would, to First Peter. The first chapter, and if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up real high. And uh, let's all go to 1 Peter 1. And let's believe the Lord for utterance. You believe you could see some things you haven't seen before from His Word, from His truth? Or some things you have known could become much, much clearer and plainer to you and real to you? So be it. Let's pray over everybody that's joined together this morning concerning this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and present ourselves before you. And we ask for utterance, strong and clear. Precise, uh, Lord, let it come out exactly what you'd say to us today. What's important to you, what's priority to you that we see and hear and understand and know. And Lord, we just ask for direction for those involved today 
the know, revealing and knowing the next steps to take for answers to questions that are being pressed, things that we need to know, that we ought to know, anything we've been thinking wrong about, that we've been confused about, let your light come and clear it up for us, we pray. And we purpose beforehand, before we even hear the rest, we purpose to not just be hearers only, but to be doers, those that act on and live and do what you show and say. And we know when we do and as we do, we will be blessed because you are faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. And we are, because of that, the victorious ones in Christ in this earth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen Amen means so be it. Amen, so be it. Uh, 1 Peter 1. Let's see before we we read, let's see if our other, uh, our sister church is with us. Can we we cut over there and see? What are they doing? (laughs) Wave at them. They'll wave back in a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit of delay, as you can see. Just, just leave it up there, and and uh, you can let me know when they when they respond. <laughs> They're not watching something else up there, are they? They didn't change channels. It's, let's all believe God get in faith Has it gotten longer? Thank you, Lord. Isn't that something? It's a thousand miles between here and there. There they go. (laughs) Yay. There they are. (laughs) There they are. Well, tell them you love them, Branson Church. We love you, Sarasota. We love you, little sis. (laughs) Praise God. 1 Peter 1, did you find it? 1 Peter 1... And uh, three, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. That's the new birth. Begotten again or born again. He's begotten us again unto a lively hope. By by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read this to you from another translation or two. 
The New American Standard, the NAS, says it like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. How many can say He's caused me to be born again? And if you can't say that, you can, it's, it's possible you could say it before the day's over. Right? Provision's already been made. And you're in the right place to be born again. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Everybody say a living hope. That's the title of our message today. A living hope. We've been born again to a living hope. What gives us this living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what gives us a living hope. Everybody say a living hope. Do you have this living hope? Say it out loud. I have a living hope. What gives you this living hope? It's the resurrection of Jesus, the anointed one, from the dead. Thank you, Lord. The Amplified says it like this. By His boundless mercy, we've been born again to an ever-living hope. Ever-living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Good News translation says, This fills us with living hope. It ought not be that any child of God ever be hopeless, despondent, despairing, or sorrowing like those who have no hope. Grief and sorrow and sadness and depression does not fit us. Hmm? Doesn't fit. So quit trying to put it on. <laughs> the Bible said praise is comely to the upright. What does that mean? It looks good on you. Huh? Praise looks good on you. Did you know what the Bible says you smell like? Victory. Huh? If I could speak French, I'd describe it like a French perfume. But suffice it to say, you don't stink like death. You don't smell foul like defeat and decay. You are the essence. You are the fragrance. You are the smell of victory and life. Hope. The hope. The hope. The glorious hope. The living hope of resurrection. An understanding and embracing of this changes everything. I said it changes everything. The scripture says, if in this life only we have hope, Paul said, we are of all men most miserable. If our only hope as Christians is what we have in this life, 
It's not enough. I said it's not enough. But if there is a hope beyond this life, if there is a hope beyond the planting of the body in the grave, then it it should cause us to see everything in this life through different eyes, from a different perspective. I've seen people wring their hands. I've seen them stand in funerals or stand by the graveside and just lament that, you know, I, we wanted to do this and, and we had hoped to do that and, and, and they never got to do this. And I wanted to say this to them and we were going to go here and we were going to do that. Why? Because they're dead. It's over. No hope of doing it now. Or is there? I said, or is there? When my, my dad went home to be with the Lord some years ago, he was not that old. And uh, there were some things I wanted to do with him and had planned that when I was able to do, we, we'd do together and in, in involve him, include him in some of our things that we planned to do in ministry and celebrate that together because we're... He's not just my dad, but a, a good friend, one of my best friends. And uh, uh, I, was, I was bothered by that a bit. I thought, well, you know, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. And the Spirit of God spoke to me distinctly. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, like He'll speak to any believer if you learn how to listen. He spoke to my heart. He said, who said you won't get to do it? That's right. Who said you won't get to do it? I thought, whoa, 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 what, what? And these thoughts came to my mind, you know, quicker than you can, I can explain them to you. Spiritual things are very speedy. Yeah. God's quite fast. Yeah. <laughs> you ever saw lightning? <laughs> oh, he's fast. And uh, uh, these thoughts came to me and, and, and he spoke to my heart. He said, uh, a lot of things that you thought you wanted to do down here, you won't care about later. They'll just be insignificant and you won't care about them. But there's some other things you will still care about and you'll still want to do and you will still get to do. He said, because Keith, your dad's not just in your past. He's in your future. Is it true, saints? Our loved ones that have gone on before us, they're not just a part of our past they're in our imminent future. That is the living hope that every child of God that knows it and believes it should have. It's a living hope. And it will cause you not to put so much stock on this life and everything here. You'll, you'll just say, if you didn't get to say it or didn't get to do it, you go home. You know, we'll have all the time in the world <laughs> to catch up later. We'll just take ten years and just do that. When you got eternity, you can really take time with stuff. <laughs> we, we'll just do this. We'll do that. And, and uh, you, you don't sorrow like those who have no hope because you have the ever-living hope. And the proof that this hope is real is that Jesus is not in the tomb. You cannot go and find him. 
Other religions have shrines to their prophets and their founders. You can go to their grave and the bones or the dust of the bones is there. Not our master. Not our savior. You cannot find any bones. He has risen. I said he has risen. He is risen. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This fills us with living hope, the scripture said. Go with me to Romans, please. Romans, the 10th chapter. Very familiar passage of scripture. The simple plan of salvation, sometimes called the Romans road the Roman road, in showing that uh, man is lost because of his sin, but that redemption has been paid and made, and then how to receive what has been provided, you see in Romans, the 10th chapter. And in Romans 10 and verse 9 and 10, what does it say? If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart, what? What? Out of all the things he could have selected and said, this is the one thing you have to believe to be born again. What did he say? He could have said that God is real, that God is good. He could have talked about the virgin birth. He could have talked about any number of things. But this is the one, isn't it? This is the one that is essential. I've, I've heard foolish people who imagine themselves to be more intelligent than the rest of us. <laughs> Talk about, well, you know... I don't know that I would take these things literally. You know, that Jesus literally was dead. You know, maybe he wasn't exactly dead. Maybe he revived. Or uh, maybe, you know, uh, he, he's dead, but, but he's, he's resurrected in, in our hearts and minds. But not necessarily physically. But, but that's not important really. The, the, the main thing is that you adhere to his teachings. And his moral code. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely no. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus has not raised from the dead. You are still in your sins. There is no hope. There's no church. There's no future. Did you hear me, friends? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you ought not be in here this morning. Because this is nothing, and it'll amount to nothing. It's a waste of your time and a distraction. Oh, but if he did. I said if he did. And he did. Then not only has he raised from the dead, but do you know who's next in line? I said, do you know who's next to be resurrected from the dead? 
It's the person sitting in your seat. It's you. It's you. If, if, if you believe this right here. If you believe this. What did he say? Let's look at it again. If you will do what? So if you don't believe it enough to say it and to say it out loud and to say it in front of other people, then it's questionable that you believe it. Did you hear me? And it's not okay to be a closet Christian. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me and my words before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Man, that's strong, isn't it? But he also said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. Now, it's a challenge for us to imagine just what that's going to be like. But on that great day, when the Creator of all things is sitting on the throne, and judgments are happening, and the millions are round about the throne, for Jesus to stand up and call your name and say, I know them. They're mine. You will be so glad you didn't blink an eye down here on the earth when it came time for you to stand up and say, yes. People say, oh, are you one of those? Absolutely. You look in the dictionary and I'm the picture by one of those. I'm, I am one of the ringleaders of those. You better believe it. I am a Jesus-believing, Jesus-loving, Jesus-praising Huh? Jesus is everything. Let them mock. Let them make fun. They're being fools. I said they're being fools. And soon and very soon, they're going to pray and wish they had done what you're doing. No, no, thank God. How many know the scripture said there's coming a day? Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's upon us in just a few blinks, just a few more heartbeats, just a few more days. It's happening. You and I are going to be standing there with the ransomed millions. Oh, hallelujah. And Jesus is going to say, they're mine. They're mine. And when it comes time for you to be standing and scrutinize, he's going to say, that one is mine. He's going to call you by name. Because you are willing to stand up down here and call him by name. He said, I'll confess you before the Father, in front of the Father and his angels. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look at the verse again, verse 9. If you'll do what? If you'll do what? Confess with your mouth. And I'd say publicly and boldly, without reservation, out loud, publicly, boldly, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, or the Lord Jesus. You shall uh, believe in your heart and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Do you believe... Jesus died on the cross. Come on, I want to hear something out of your mouth in this morning. And, and saints at Sarasota, saints watching in your homes, offices all over the place, I, w- I want you to say it out loud. I don't care if you're the only person in the room. I want you to say it loud enough to hear it bounce off the wall. This is serious business. We just got through talking about it. Just quoted the scriptures about why this is so important. 
Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? That he was actually dead. He did die. He was dead. They buried him. He, He was in that tomb. No breath in his body. The body was dead. You believe it? Do you believe on the third day? Just like our little ones portrayed so wonderfully for us. That he did raise from the dead. Oh, oh, come on, I want you to think about it. The Bible said Jesus was raised up from the dead by the glory. Romans says by the glory of God the Father. What does that mean? That means that body, that nailed, scarred, spear-pierced, thorn-pierced body that had been lovingly washed and wrapped in the clothes and, and, and spices by those that loved him, had been laying there cold and stiff in that damp rock tomb for these days and nights. But the glory of God lit up and filled that damp, dark hole in the rock. The mighty angels came down, just like you saw the kids demonstrate, and roll away that stone. And the glory of God, somebody say the glory of God. The glory of God, the glistening brightness and light and life and glory and power of God flowed through that body. And he was changed. That body was changed on a, a molecular level. It was changed from corruptible to incorruptible. It was changed and became a glorified body. And Jesus' spirit slipped back into it and he stood up. Oh, hallelujah. Do you believe it? I said, do you believe that God the Father has raised Jesus from the dead? Glory to God. Did you hear your neighbor say yes? I hope you. Did they hear you? In case. It wasn't clear. (laughs) Sarasota Church, everybody watching by internet, everybody in this house. I said, do you believe that Jesus' body laying in there dead, really dead, cold and stiff, but that it was raised to life again, that Jesus got back in his body It's glorified that God raised him from the dead. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Oh, yeah. Read the rest of the verse in verse 9. You you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What? 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 You shall be saved. You shall be saved. Did you hear your neighbor say it? Then tell them you'll be saved. saved. (laughs) You are saved and you will be saved. Both are true. You've got an ever living hope in you. That this world is not all there is. And this life is not the end. At all. 
Because what's the great and good news? If he was raised up, who's next? Well, don't take my word for it. Go with me to Romans the 6th chapter. Just back up a little bit. Romans the 6th chapter and the 4th verse. It says, Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we. You know, you'll notice every time it says something about what he did, the next thing it talks about is us. Why? Because he didn't do it for himself. He didn't need to do it for himself. He had no sin to pay for. There was no judgment for him to endure for himself or anything he had done. Everything he did, he did it for us. And, in the, and it's been accepted by the Father in, in the justice of the high court of heaven that his payment was our payment. His death was our death. His sacrifice and price paid was us paying the price. And His resurrection is our resurrection. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. (laughs) Here's your phrase for the rest of the day. Rest of the week, I'm next. (laughs) Next for what? Resurrection. I'm next. What does that mean? What happened to him? It's going to happen to me. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm next. <laughs> We're next. Look in, uh, look in 1 Corinthians 6.14. I just want to make sure that you understand this is Bible. 1 Corinthians 6.14. God has both raised up the Lord. You believe it. You said you did. What else then? And will also raise up us by His own power. Do you believe the Bible? Then you believe that God that raised up the Lord will also raise us up. It is written. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses. 2 Corinthians, fourth chapter. Thirteenth verse. We have in the same spirit of faith. You know, it's not a different kind of faith that was in the apostles, that was in Paul and Peter, than that's in us. We got the same kind of faith in us that was in them. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We just got through reading about that in Romans 10. You believe it in your heart, and you speak it with your mouth. We also believe. And therefore speak. And you just got through. Verse 14. 
knowing, somebody say knowing, knowing, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. He's going to raise, he's raised Jesus up already. He's going to raise you up. He's going to raise me up. He's going to raise up the ones that have already gone on. And he's going to present us all together with him. Resurrected. Glorified. Blood bought. Children of the Most High God. I got a living hope. I got an ever living hope. Why should I despair? Hmm? Why should I be down? Why should I be depressed? The devil is a, he's a sorry, persistent, lying rascal. Have you found that out? Hmm? And worse than that. And he's always trying to get you down over something. Always trying to get you to look at the negative. Look at the problem. Look at the lack. Look at the loss. And if you do, and you dwell on it, and you talk about it, and you think on it, and you meditate on it, it'll get you down. Yes. You'll get down. You'll get sad. You'll drag around. And, and if you never think about all the good things God's done for you, and you only think about what you don't have, and what you don't know, and what you can't do, and what didn't happen, you'll get to the place where you don't think you got anything to be thankful for. And the fact is, you've got so much to be thankful for, you're just not aware of it. All you're aware of is the junk. And that's how people get suicidal. They get to the place where, what's the reason to go on? There's no hope. Everything's lost. It's all over. It's too late. It's all gone. And the devil will try to get you to dwell on your, your faults and your failures and your mistakes and your sins and your shortcomings. But friend, the past is the past. And the scripture said, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching toward what? We got a glorious future ahead of us. The Bible said, the Lord said, I know the thoughts I think about you and the plan I've planned for you. It's a good plan. What if everything went wrong in this little brief blip we call life on earth? Hmm? You didn't get your money? You didn't do this or that? You, you came short on your healing? This or that? Hmm? Who's going to remember it 100,000 years from now? <laughs> I've had the enemy try to mess with me. Oh, what about this? What about that? What about the other? What? And I, I, I slapped him with two words. I'm saved. Yeah. How about you? You concerned about me? I don't have any problems beside you. Worst case scenario. Everything goes wrong and I die. I'm out of here. Hey, that ain't the end. I said, that ain't the end. I'm going straight to be with Jesus. That's not, and they'll bury this body, but that's not even the end of it. God's going to raise it up again. I said, what about you, sorry devil? Huh? Where are you going? What's your future? 
How many, how many know what I'm talking about? When you've got this kind of perspective, no matter what's going on down here, you know it is very, very temporary. Hmm? And no matter how it all plays out and walks out, as long as you are a believer and you've got this living hope in you, in the end, you're coming out on top. You're coming out resurrected. Eternal life. Reunited with all the other believers and ruling and reigning with Him throughout the ages to come. Go to Ephesians, please, the second chapter. I was going to cut this short a little bit, but I got excited already, so can you stay with me just a little bit long? <laughs> Ephesians, the second chapter. Now the... Uh, Mm, let's see. Hold your place in Ephesians. Go to Romans. Or they'll, they'll put it up for us. You, you stay in Ephesians. Put up Romans 8.11 for us. I want you to notice something else you could call the coming resurrection. It says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does he dwell in you? Yes. Then he that raised up Christ from the dead, what's he going to do? He's going to quicken your mortal body. That's this one right here. By His Spirit that dwells in you. The same Spirit that's in you right now is going to do something amazing to your body. Same Holy Spirit who's in you right now. You could call the resurrection the quickening. The quickening. Yes. To quicken is to vitalize or revitalize or reanimate. To make alive. Glory to God. It's going to be beyond poking your finger in the wall socket. <laughs> it's going to be beyond getting struck by lightning. Come on, are you listening to me? This quickening literally raises the dead. And not just back to mortal corruptible life, but in the raising changes what was mortal to immortal. Changes what was corruptible to that which can never again be corrupted. The body you got now, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. It's an amazing thing. But it's affected by the curse and by sin. And it's aging. And it's actually decaying as we speak. Not a nice thought. But soon and very soon, the quickening is going to occur. And after that, you, your body will never age another day throughout the eons. No more aches. No more pains. No more weaknesses. No more just off feeling. Nothing. Nothing. Except life and glory and joy 
and peace, you'll finally have a body that can keep up with your recreated spirit. And I don't know about you, but I've always been, I like to put the pedal to the metal. Do you know what I'm talking about? I like to push her and find out what she's got. <laughs> Do you or not? And I'm going to lay the hammer back on this glorified body. Come on, are you? I'm going to find out what she'll do. <laughs> are you going to check yours out? Oh, come on. Jesus in this glorified body. He went to heaven. He came back to earth in a short amount of time. It's got to be a vast distance. He came through walls. He looked like this on one day. He looked like that on another day. Ladies, talk about a makeover. I'm not talking about a little dab of makeup. I'm talking about you look like a different, another person. And yet it's you. And instead of changing your nail color or hair color, you just change your whole self. You're just like, Whoa, wow, never saw that you before. But that is outstanding. That is amazing. That's the kind of capability the glorified body has. And the scripture says we're going to receive a glorified body just like his. It's going to be exactly like the body that's sitting at the right hand of majesty right now. Your body's going to be just like that body. That's not too great to believe if you believe the Bible. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, You has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Somebody say the quickening. The quickening. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, what has He done? What has He done? He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And He has what? Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's just stop right here. We're not in heaven. We're here at the moment in Branson or Sarasota or wherever you are. And our bodies are yet mortal. But did you know in the mind of God, it's already done. Come on, are you listening to me? When Jesus said, it is finished, and into your hands I commit my spirit, and when he offered his own blood on the holy of holies, and when God spoke to him, hallelujah, from glory, penetrated down to the core of the depths of hell, and says, you are my beloved son. This day I have begotten you. And he became the first one to ever be born again. And then he was raised from the dead. Oh, saints, I want you to know it is a glorious reality. When he was raised, we were raised. It's already happened. We're already on a predetermined course to intercept resurrection. Oh, I about preached myself happy. We, we are on course. We are moving that way. We're closer to it than we've ever been. 
He has. Not going to. It's already been done. It's just a matter of the rest of it playing out. He has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is our certain, sure future. Can you say glory to God? Amen. Hallelujah. And what happens after that? Verse 7. What happens after that? That in the ages to come. Now we got not a clue how long that is. We're not talking about a few centuries. We're not talking about a few millennia. Throughout the ages to come. What's going to happen? We're going to sit on clouds. And tune harps and be bored. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, what's going to happen? Throughout, in the ages to come, God is going to show. Hmm? What's going to happen? The show. The great big show. <laughs> the big show the big show come on we in Branson folks ought to understand about a show right but you hadn't seen a show like this show this is the big show okay, some, somebody say the big show the, the big show what show He's going to show us the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. It's going to take the following ages for the Lord to reveal to us all He has done for us in Christ. We're just barely beginning to find out what He has done for us in Christ. 10,000 years from now, you won't be in earth. You won't be, you know, doing what you're doing now. You'll have long left this place. But 100,000 years from then, hmm, a half million years from then, what kind of shape do you think, you think you'll be in? Oh, man, you, you think you've grown the last few years. Imagine growing without any influence of sin or curse in the full presence of the Almighty century after century. You're going to be something. You're going to shine like a star. And, and, and our Father will gather around His throne and He'll say, Children, you like this? We'll go, Oh, God, you are amazing. He's, he'll say, Look at this. Look at this. And he'll show us something else. And we'll all go, ooh, ah, wow. And as ages pass and you'll think, how could it ever be any better than this? He'll say, children, you like this? We go, oh, God, do we like it? He'll say, Look at this. Look at this. And he'll unfold something else. And you'll hear throughout the millions go, Ooh. Ah. Wow. Yes. 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 
more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying. Just, ooh, ah, wow! <laughs> Everybody stand up. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. Somebody say, I believe it, I believe it. Oh, Lord, lift up your hands and your voices. Lord, we believe your heart.